While there are legends of cryptids that can be found nearly everywhere around the world, there are a few who have managed to develop a profile that stands them apart from the rest. A number of creatures who either through the quality or quantity of stories of their encounters with humanity are known by all who find fascination in this world, and many who do not. Today's story is one of those, one possibly the most shining example of what a poster boy for cryptids should be. Welcome to Cryptid Caves, the part of the Strangelings podcast series that stocks up on holy water when traversing the Pine Barrens. I'm Aaron, and I'll be your anchor on this brush with the unholy. But before we get started, if you're into the things that go bump in the night and you haven't done this already, the next time the follow button tells you they're expecting, immediately shout a curse on the child. This week is episode 5, New Jersey. Maybe it's the devil. Religious heretic believed to be terrorizing areas near the northern Atlantic coast. Dispatch recon and recovery team. Proceed with extreme caution. The area in southern New Jersey, known as the Pinelands or the New Jersey Pine Barrens, is an expansive ecosystem that covers seven counties and is the largest example that remains of what was once the Atlantic Coastal Pine Barrens. It's known for its unusually high acidic soil, flora that relies on wildfires to reproduce, and one of the most high-profile cryptids in this wide world of mystery. The one, the only, well, maybe the one and only, Jersey Devil. When this creature is traditionally described, a few things stay consistent, mostly that it is a winged biped with hooves. But its most commonly accepted description is something like a wyvern, with a goat or horse-like head, bat-like wings, horns, small arms that end in clawed hands, a pointed tail, and legs that end in cloven hooves. The exact stereotypical pop culture image of the devil. It is said to move quickly and emit a blood-curdling, high-pitched scream. While its legendary stature gives this cryptid a place in the Parthenon of all things unknown, its origins are debated, and often connected to the hellish entity that shares the name. This is that origin story, one of many. Take it away, Charlotte. While the Lenape people who originally inhabited this area of southern New Jersey believed a spirit they called Masing, which could take the form of a deer-like creature called the Pine Baron's home. The origins of the Jersey Devil came later, in 1735. That's when, according to legend, a Pine Baron's resident by the name of Mother Leeds, quite literally, birthed the creature that continues to reign in the rural region. Early, colonial America was a very different place than that which we are familiar. Several different groups of people, including those separated by religion, 
occupied the northeastern part of what would become the United States. One of these groups, the Puritans, had a long history in the New England states, having been one of the original groups of Europeans to settle the area, and those typically referred to when discussing pilgrims. Amongst their beliefs is a strict adherence to what is known as the original sin, the belief that women carry an inherent responsibility for all that is wrong with the world. Additionally, this group viewed much of what we today would consider normal behaviour or personal choice to be evidence of evil residing in their midst. Things like social gatherings outside of church services, electing to skip church services altogether, and even dreaming of lost loved ones, were seen as suspicious and indicative of a connection to the devil, who they viewed as their direct adversary. A result of these extreme beliefs of seeing evil everywhere were frequently they'd believe they had found it. A line of thought that resulted in instances like the Salem Witch Trials. And this was the world as it was known during the time of Mother Leeds. A world in which a mother of twelve children, should she have even a single off day, could be viewed as a supernatural being of evil granted abilities by the Lord of Hell. As the story goes, when discovering that she was pregnant with her thirteenth child, Mother Leeds cursed the child in frustration, declaring herself that the child would be the devil. Let this one be the devil. Just a quick interjection on this point. The logic of contrasting the state of the world at the time of these happenings against our own in modern times doesn't usually come into play, not as much as it should, or as much as I plan to do here. In this case, the origin stories differ usually on two different schools of thought. The first is that she just cursed the child her and her husband shared. The second is that she was, in fact, a witch, and the child was a result of an unholy union between her and the devil. But as I mentioned at the onset, the things that drew suspicion of witchcraft in the early to mid-1700s are very different than what would cause alarm in today's world. She could have just been a feminist who decided to skip church, and the townspeople would have considered her evil under Puritan beliefs. Personally, differences of time aside, I think it's a weird thing to disagree on. Cursing a child in the womb is a very witchy thing to do. And as the story goes on, that child supposedly makes a lot of inhuman transformations. So there's not a far leap to make the conclusions that I have. As if in an attempt to adhere to a yet-to-be-developed literary trope, Mother Leeds went into labour with this thirteenth child. The child who would birth a legend that has, and continues to haunt our world on a dark and stormy night in 1735, surrounded by family friends, and local midwives, the former being sequestered in an adjoining room during the birthing process, leaving only those capable of helping with the delivery to be witness to the horrid transformation that was to come. Following the birth, which was normal by that day's standards, the metamorphosis that Mother Leeds proclaimed months earlier began to come to fruition before her very eyes. 
Within moments, the once beautiful newborn baby was on its way to becoming a hideous creature, one unlike the world had ever seen. The wailing infant began to grow rapidly, as too did its voice. The high-pitched wails that signalled the baby's entry into the world gradually turned to a guttural snarl and growl. Horns sprouted from the top of its head, slow at first, but soon exploding from the forehead. Talon-like claws tore through the skin at the tips of its fingers, one by one, each creating a slightly different sound as they split the flesh. The grotesque transformation continued as leathery wings that left no room for question of which entity orchestrated this nightmare. Wings like those one would expect to find on a dragon, or the devil itself unfurled from its back, and hair and fathers grew in ripples across its body, first appearing as something like a drawing or tattoo, two-dimensional but quickly gained texture before piercing through the skin. Its eyes began glowing bright red as they grew larger inside the hideous, snarling face of the monster that now stood where only minutes before an infant had been. After this scene played out in front of the mother and the midwives, the child's transformation, now complete, it began to attack Mother Leeds, its mother, with the single-minded ferocity that befit its new form an attack from which she wouldn't survive. Once satisfied with the work done on the mother, the hellish nightmare creature turned its sights on the rest of the onlookers. It flew at them, clawing and biting, slashing with its tail, the screams of terror seeming to do little more than encourage the beast, all the while voicing unearthly shrieks. It tore through the group, ripping them limb from limb, maiming some and killing others. Following the murderous bloodbath in one room, the creature proceeded to the next. Knocking down the solid wooden door that separated the birthing room from the room where the rest of its intended family were awaiting news, expecting happy news. Its expectant father, a drunkard whose lack of ambition and inability to provide, was the original cause of his wife's curse, on this would-be infant and the twelve siblings it was to have, all watched as the monster who had replaced their sibling attacked them all, showing no indication of the connection they all had expected to have after that day, killing as many as it could. The few survivors telling a tale of watching in horror, unable to make the slightest effort to help, either through a case of fear having immobilised them, or shock until, eventually, growing tired of the slaughter, the beast sprinted to the chimney and flew out of it, reducing it to rubble in its wake. It is here that it first made its way into the pines and began its life of terrorising the local population. The picture this story paints is a vivid one. Even as I'm writing it out, the images of an old world at-home birth and the intensity it brings set the scene as both emotionally and physically intense. But to go from that to this nightmarish metamorphosis, even in a vacuum before the creature attacks, takes it up a notch. But to add the images of the beast tearing apart anyone near for the sole purpose of proximity and then making a special effort to hunt down the rest of the family in another room, 
family who likely would have assumed the sounds they were hearing were part of birthing a new baby. It all creates a scene that has the staying power of a cult classic horror movie. I view that fact as a double-edged sword. If close to the truth, it would make clear why the legend grew and the sounds heard and tracks seen having been attributed to more than each eyewitness's active imagination in a vast, spooky, yet completely natural place. But as we know from events like the Salem Witch Trials, less than 50 years prior, the religious extremism that the Puritans and anyone else who subscribed to the thought that they needed to be on constant guard from a literal embodiment of the devil, even the smallest seed of suspicion could lead to a snowballing effect that would only end in death. And a spin to the narrative that painted the horrors as justifiable costs in the quest to rid evil from the world. And when you add to all of that the combination of the political and business rivalry a real-life Leeds family had with our very own Benjamin Franklin and his poor Richard's almanac, the tendency of the time to draw comparisons between one's opponent and the devil, and the ever-worsening public reputation of one Titan Leeds, who, in addition to being outmatched in wit by Franklin, also suffered damage to his reputation due to a connection with local politicians who had fallen out of favor with the public, not to mention the long-standing feud his father and founder of that almanac that begun the Leeds-Franklin rivalry, Daniel Leeds, had with the prominent Quaker community, of which he was a part, resulting from aspects he included in that first publication of his almanac that were viewed as blasphemous or sacrilegious. It's hard to buy everything that comes with a similar religious overtone. In fact, this is the social landscape that would start the hellish name-calling when one of the prominent Quakers by the name of Caleb Pusey wrote a pamphlet in which he referred to Daniel as Satan's harbinger. So I tend to be hesitant in buying a story that fits so nicely into what could be a political smear campaign. But that concludes my walk in the shoes of a skeptic, and I have a retort. Because you see, the evolution of this creature and legend that follows has outlived everyone who stood to gain from simple slander. After all, I'm talking about it now. But I'll let Charlotte continue to walk us through where this story went. Throughout the rest of the 18th century, and the entirety of the 19th, sightings of and encounters with the Jersey Devil were sporadic across the Pine Barrens region. It was a seemingly tall tale that frightened locals and any brave enough to traverse those vast, undeveloped expenses. Often, it was unearthly whales being reported from within the dark forests and swampy bogs, the types of things that we often fear from unknown wild places due to our own active imaginations, an unfamiliar way wind will move about the landscape. And unsurprisingly, the slaughter of domesticated animals would be attributed to this monster. But a reasonable walk on the side of scepticism will point out that such mutilation could be the handiwork of any number of natural predatory animals. But reason does tend to win out in the end in cases of such weak and blatantly obvious cause. Yet, the legend of the Jersey Devil persists. 
due to the fact that these easily dismissed attributions to its resume being but the least of its supposed offences. Over the years the legend grew, even overstepping the boundary of the Pine Barrens to extend its reign of terror into towns and cities. The most infamous case of this occurred over the course of the week of January 16th through January 23rd, 1909. Early that week, reports began to emerge from across the Delaware Valley, the region that expands across four states, centred on Philadelphia, and includes the area of southern New Jersey that houses this monster's legend. The reports caused a mass of hysteria as strange tracks were found in snow, going under and over fence lines, through residential areas and even across rooftops. These reports even came from large cities like Camden and Philadelphia, places not home to anything that would cause such prints. Fear and intrigue grew across the region, causing citizens to take to arms in more than one town. After a report of a bloodhound's refusal to follow one such trail out of fear, the panic reached a boiling point. Schools across the region were forced to close or suffered extremely low attendance, and lumber mills in the Pine Barrens were forced to stop production after workers refused to cross the barrens to travel to work. Eyewitnesses would spot the beast in both Camden and Bristol, Pennsylvania, and in both cities the police would fire on the creature, but fail to bring it down. A few days later, it appeared in a city called Haddon Heights, terrorising a trolley car full of passengers before flying away. It was seen by passengers on another trolley car in Burlington as it scurried across the tracks in front of them. The intensive reports would continue in the town of West Collingswood as it was seen on the roof of a house where the local firefighters turned their hose on it. It attacked them before flying away. This monster would reappear in Camden and attack a late-night meeting of a social club before, again, flying away. There hasn't been another series of sightings to match the ferocity or one resulting in the fever pitch of January 1909. However, sightings did continue with reports of the Jersey Devil being made to this day. There are reported sightings of the creature itself, sometimes matching the exact antiquated description, sometimes adapting physical traits that aren't exact, but could be close or even mistaken, such as antlers instead of horns, or a dog's head rather than the traditional goat-horse descriptor. But mostly, it's footprints, or rather, hoof prints, found in the sandy landscape of the Pine Barrens. These prints are cloven and are made by a bipedal creature, traits that don't fit any known animal, unless you count Pan, or again, the devil. But to jump back on the skeptic train for a minute, the Pine Barrens at the time of this legend's genesis were not a place you'd want your kids hanging out. Historically, gangs of highwaymen like the Loyalist Brigands were known to attack and rob travelers who happened through the area. And it was common practice at the time for the locals of the Pine Barrens, the poor farmers, fugitives, poachers, moonshiners, runaway slaves, and even deserting soldiers to spread rumors and stories about themselves in an effort to deter outsiders from getting too close. 
And when you consider that most stories about Mother Leeds put her family squarely into that group of people, it's believable that they would foster these types of legends just to gain an added level of protection to their privacy. But that doesn't track with the continued sightings, or the fact that there was a real woman by the name of Deborah Leeds, whose husband, Jafet, named 12 children in the will that he wrote in 1736, one year after the birth of this monster. The family did live in Leeds Point, where this story is commonly accredited, but there isn't enough information on the real-life Leeds family to balance with the tale of dismemberment and death that comes with the story of the Jersey Devil's birth. Which leads me to believe this origin story could be a case of exaggeration rather than out-and-out fabrication, or, as historian Brian Regal once theorized, an accumulation of both instances augmented with the religio-political disputes I mentioned earlier. But again, nothing quite covers everything. Nothing covers the creature being seen, clearly, over a hundred years after Mother Leeds, and nothing covers the encounters of Commodore Stephen DeCanter, who witnessed the creature while visiting Hanover Millworks, and proceeded to hit it with a cannonball, or Joseph Bonaparte, elder brother of the famed Napoleon Bonaparte, who claimed to see this devil while hunting on his Bordentown estate around 1820. So yeah, there's more than enough witness accounts, more than enough circumstance to point to and say that no natural creature fits the mold that's created by the accumulation of all of the evidence. No bird, though occasionally this creature is given aspects that are avian in nature, that is predatory enough to attack the way the beast is reported to. No flying mammals bigger than your standard bat, and no creature that is both bipedal and hooved. I may continue to question the witch-based origin on the merit of the time and place, but I do fully believe that something nasty is prowling southern New Jersey. Over the generations, the Jersey Devil has grown into that odd place in which it is regarded from places of fear, something nearing respect, and even novelty. It's adopted a place in the very culture of New Jersey as a whole, and while many still believe this devil to be lurking, it doesn't stop it from finding a place on t-shirts, postcards, and even its own movie. The people of New Jersey even saw fit to bestow the name upon their newly acquired professional hockey team, since it doesn't make sense to keep it named after the mountains where it had moved from. There's no doubt in my mind that the legend of the Jersey Devil deserves its place on the Mount Rushmore of cryptids, and that Pine Barrens will be one stop on the cryptid tour I'm planning, so we may be revisiting this monster down the road, provided I don't fall victim to it while I'm there. The Jersey Devil is one of those cryptids where we have no room for half measures. Unlike some creatures we talk about here, creatures who bear a close enough resemblance to animals or even people, the Jersey Devil is such a unique looking creature that it should be hard to comprehend what these people could be seeing that they would then get such a convoluted take. It's not every day you're going to find a goat being ridden by a feathery bird with bat wings being trailed by a snake. But the intensity of the sightings and the mass hysteria that ensued at the various points in history in which this beast would be frequently encountered point to more than it just being some remnant of that political and religious powder keg that existed in early colonial times. 
It's almost as if, should some being that sought to sow seeds of mistrust, fear, and the occasional death, they wouldn't need to do much more than what the humans did to themselves, should the Jersey Devil really be a fantasy. Or maybe they did, and we're simply seeing the result of that. Get more fresh towels. We're going to need them. Of course. Right away. And set some more water to boil. Give me another big push, Mrs. Leeds. baby is crowning. Support the head. We can see your new baby, Mrs. Leeds. It won't be long now. <laughs> it's here, and it's beautiful. Thank you. 
That's going to do it for Cryptic Caves, Episode 5, New Jersey. Maybe it's the devil. But if you find yourself wanting more from us, Strangelings, you can follow us on Instagram at strangelings underscore podcast for photos, upcoming announcements, and so much more. Or follow the link in the episode description to join the conversation and help influence the channel. Or, if you'd like to support the Strangelings, follow the link in any episode description to become a donor. Any amount can help bring new content and improve the existing offering. And as always, if you haven't done this already, and you're into the things that go bump in the night, the next time the follow button tells you they're expecting, immediately shout a curse on their child. Thanks for listening. Barring an ill-fated run-in with Mother Leeds' 13th child, we'll see you all next week for Episode 6. Kansas.